0: Welcome back to Double D Do Business, and I'm Dave Evans, and I'm here with...
1: Debbie Halls Evans. We have a
0: really special guest today, uh, Debbie, uh, with us. All guests
1: are special.
0: They are indeed, but I want to make Ryan feel extra special. (laughs) Um, Ryan, so uh, tell us who you are, my good friend.
2: I am Ryan Stockton, uh, resident of Leeds in Yorkshire. Uh, good friend of both yourself, Dave, and your Debbie. Uh, I think I've known you for quite a few years now. I uh, used to know you in a work capacity. Uh, you're also good uh, friends uh, and you know my good wife uh, in her work capacity as well. So we're very well connected, really. We are. Uh, I'm 42 years old uh, and I'm a keen I cyclist, which is, uh, I guess, something we'll come back to. You didn't know that? I didn't know he
1: was 42, no.
0: There you go. And is that because he looks so great?
1: Uh, uh, yeah. That, that I, I'm, was... <laughs> I'm stumbling, I'm stumbling. Think, move on, Ryan, move on. I
0: think I, I, think I just put you in a corner unintentionally, Debbie. Um, you
1: look great for your
0: age, Ryan. <laughs> I, think, I think, Ryan, you look now, great. Now. That's, that's a really good recap. And I, you've, just, you've just reminded me about that one time where I had to run an event with your wife in her business. And then I left her event to then travel to your event in your business um, in a crazy four days. I forgot all about that, but you did make a killer cheese souffle. Well,
2: you know what? Many talents. Yeah, it's true.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you are a good cook, that is actually. Absolutely.
2: And that's the and only cheese with. souffle I've ever made as well.
1: we yeah, never, and never and done that,
2: it before, never since.
1: And you've also forgot you are a, a super bread maker as well.
2: Oh well, that's very kind. which is really nice uh, call. Cool. Can we do more of these?
1: Yeah.
0: Although, Deb, yeah, I am—I have it on really good authority. He's a thin slicer.
1: You are Yeah. A thin so slice, uh, yeah.
0: his reputation precedes him that yeah. he doesn't cut big chunky slices of bread. Once he's made,
2: uh, I uh, take issue with it. Take issue <laughs> with that. But bread is important.
0: So, so Ryan, today you're with us uh, on the podcast Double D Do Business, and. We like to talk about a couple of things on here, about creating best version businesses and people, coaching, consulting, and creating. And today we're gonna spend some time with you in the creating space, or creative space primarily, and best self, because uh, you've just come back from an adventure of a lifetime, is that right?
2: Uh, Yes, it's true. Uh, Well, just, I got back uh, literally just before Christmas um, in the middle of November. Um, after spending between five and six weeks away in Nepal and India, yes. Wow. So
1: there's two things, Ryan, that I have to just set up for here. So I know that you two are avid cyclists and you did do it as your opening element as well. So I would just like to caveat that I would like us to explore your adventurism and some of the crazy things that you've already done. I, and I know the bike bit's really important.
2: Well, because you cycled that whole time. It was, it was an adventure that involved the bike.
1: That's all That phrasing is much better. But first, let's find out why you did it. Why did you do this? Because this is a massive undertaking. You're a family man, you've got a business, mm-hmm. you support know, your wife, you're also having a new kitchen built, which is actually a massive project. It's huge. Why did you undertake such an adventure, to be away from home
2: for such a long period of time? Well, actually, I I can tell you precisely uh, when I decided to do it. I was lucky enough to be flying home from India with Carla and Cody, um, wife and son, and uh, had a great holiday with them. We've been living the dream, touring around Northern India together, Incredible experience. Uh, Cody was only seven at the time, I think. Yeah, seven. So very young to be in the hustle and bustle of India. Yep. And I was looking out of the window, a uh, couple of glasses, wine down, and just dreaming as I looked out the window, and we were flying over Afghanistan. And I had the most amazing view of all of the, the mountains and hills which make up a lot of uh, the northern end of Afghanistan. And I just thought, wow, I mean, it would be amazing to explore somewhere like that. Um, but And I think it was because I'd just done a, a trip with my family, yeah. which was exciting, but I had to be quite careful about where we went. Um, and how we did things um, because Cody's only really young and Carla's quite different to me in her sort of attitude to travel and diff- in new places um, I like to get really in amongst it um, probably them less so so I probably felt like I'd just done a trip which I'd like to go back and do on my own and added to that I looked out of the window and saw this wilderness in Afghanistan and thought, Oof, that's the kind of thing that I would love to do And it dawned on me, really. I was lucky enough to be in a position where I wasn't working at the time. um, And I had the opportunity, if you like, to, to go and do it. So I thought, right, this is the time in your life when you have to do something like the sort of trip that other people do, that you don't do, that other people do that you do, and right? I came back. Oh, so, uh, <laughs> well, I do it now, but, yes. but I do it now. But at the time, it was the sort of thing that other people did. Okay. One of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you, Ryan,
0: there's nothing to do with cycling, Debbie, just for the record, is that um, it's people like you, Ryan, that bring impossible challenges that most people think they'll never hear about, do, or even adventure about, to, to their digital screen you get people that give people the chance to daydream wonder think about it. i wonder what that was like and when i was reading through your your linkedin article that was published that was a which was the blog shared and, and we'll tag that at the end it was an excellent article that gave us a real taste and i'm going i, I got to talk to ryan about this now bef- before we get into the actual trip you also got injured didn't you before you went so uh, you know I imagine it was not easy to prepare for this, trip, um, which you can tell us about in a minute. But right at the point of going, you knackered yourself somehow. What, what happened?
2: Correct. Uh, um, so I, um, I do a lot of mountain biking, I do a lot of road riding, I do a lot of all kinds of bike riding, and I happen to be mountain biking. Having already spent a year preparing for this trip, pretty much, and obsessing over all the details, and I can come back to planning the trip in a bit, but having done all of that good work, uh, I was riding just the way I normally ride, which is pretty much flat out and going down some silly, crazy, steep, dangerous mountain bike trail and I snapped my wrist on a tree. Yeah. Pretty spectacularly actually. I put my arm out to save myself and in saving myself, I literally just smashed my, my arm against the tree and it snapped, yeah. What did you do? Not good. Not good. Uh, so I, luckily I had, um, at the time, I, I had a, someone who could drive me to the nearest hospital. And when I got there, uh, I was just saying, you know, it's really important. I, I've got a trip to poor coming up and I have to be there. And to their credit, um, this is an NHS experience. To their credit, the, the whole team, heard me they really understood that I needed to be in the pool in I think it was six weeks out from the day I broke my arm actually it was my lower arm Um, they they understood it so they did everything that they could to, to make make sure that I could go and that involved putting loads of metal work into my arm that normally they wouldn't do so that I didn't have to wear a cast which meant that as soon as I had the operation, I think it was about three days after I broke my wrist, um, they um, they did an operation, and I could start moving my wrist straight away, and that meant that I had a chance to get it strong in time. Um, so they were incredible, and it worked.
1: So also, because there is another side to this, so it isn't just you going on an adventure and just deciding to do something, because I actually think, uh, what you actually did was amazing is it's what you were also supporting and then some of the things that came out of it because the thing that I absolutely loved was all of the complexities of the, looking out of the airplane window yeah I'd really like to do that that's a great idea to even what goes on your bike the size of the bag the type of bag the, and honestly the complexities are everybody says planning is, is key and important so start us off on that whole, and I know you probably could talk about this for days, so, but in regards Mm. to your understanding of what you were doing, what it was for, because you also linked it to something else, and then some of the planning around it, and some of the, you know, not only with a damaged arm, although I have to say, Ryan, (laughs) you go on a trip, last time I actually physically saw you face to face, you'd just been hit by a car, and you were going to the
2: (laughs) true yes yeah. that was well that's a different story but yeah that happened as well yeah <laughs> um i think before you answer so planning The p- planning the first thing actually that i had to do was a team and who can i do this with because i knew that i didn't want to do this on my own yeah. i kind of just knew that it deep down inside that i'm not the sort of person and there are lots of those people that you read about and me that do these things on their own And I'm not one of them so I guess it was just important to just recognise that and think well if I can't find the right person or persons to do it with it ain't going to happen so I spent quite a while actually quietly just thinking about all the people I knew that would want to do something like this that were able to do something like this physically uh, that I would like to do it with Um, and then really importantly that had the resources in like time could create the time and could afford it as well. And when you start adding all these uh, like lenses up, then actually I ended up with a very small list. And I rang someone and said, "You're going to do this because I've thought about it a lot, and you have to do it. Uh, and this is why." And they just said yes straight away. So, um, so the first person, first thing, thing was team, yep. and then once there was two of us, it, it was just fun. Uh, because we were, we were just having the best time planning where to go. We started off with a blank map of the world, putting together our own kind of wish list of what we wanted to get out of the trip and what we didn't want to get out of the trip. And uh, we ended up, after a lot of discussions, landing on Nepal and India. And then, of course, once you know that, then you can start to think about the, the kit that you need to take including what kind of bike um, and how you need to prepare for something like that. Where, so where, it was a, it was a brilliant you, planning exercise.
0: Where did you get your bike from?
2: Uh, we, we did a lot of uh, looking around on the market for what we had decided would be the right kind of bike. And uh, we tried out a couple and said thanks but no thanks. And then a company based in Yorkshire Uh, No, Lancashire, I beg your pardon, they would be really upset about that. They're just over the border in Lancashire. But it's a northern thing. Uh, They just launched an adventure bike, which was designed to do exactly the trip that we were wanting to do. And we rang them up and they asked us to come over and have a chat. And it was a lovely way to kind of source the bike, actually, with um, friendly conversations. They were really inspired by the trip we wanted to do. And they were really keen that we use their bikes. So it was, a, it was just a total win for everyone. Brilliant. So mm. give, me,
1: give me some of the challenges that, from that concept to, and the dream. So, so you've now got a team, you know who's going, you know where you're going, so you've done the why, yeah. the purpose, why you're doing it. Tell me some of the challenges that you have to deal with just before you even set off anywhere, excluding the broken out.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, Big challenges, I think, were well, definitely condensing equipment. We knew that we were going to go really, really high in the mountains, uh, but we knew that we wouldn't spend a long time up there just because it's not practical to do it. And we wanted to explore as much of the landscape of the ball as we could. So we wanted to take in all of its variety. And that means going from somewhere really, really hot, which it would be uh, down low in the country. Uh, to a bit in the middle where it's uh, maybe a bit wet and then up high where it would be super cold. Uh, so we knew that we'd be, need to be ready for all of the different range of weather that you can possibly imagine. We knew that there would be times when we wouldn't be able to get stairs or supplies for fixing stuff that might break on our bikes. So in an ideal world, we would have a lock kit. And there's only so much you can carry on a bike, which is a wonderful uh, like, element of doing things on a bike because it really makes you choose really carefully. With a car, you just keep throwing it in, right? And you end up with loads of stuff that you didn't use at the end of the trip. And you don't have that luxury. So we, we endlessly uh, challenged each other on whether each thing that we picked was something that we'd really need. And whether if we really needed it, we'd found the right version of it. So yeah condensing our our kit list was good and the first time we did a pack we laid everything out I've got a great photo actually of everything laid out and neatly rolled up and uh, folded if it was closed and it was a massive amount of kit massive there's no way that's gonna go on a bike of course we had to chop 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 good fun
0: And I have seen you uh, fill your bike box in Mallorca last year, and I don't think you were as tactical uh, with that as you just sounded like you just described there. I do believe you were just throwing things in on the way home.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's true. Another challenge was also uh, time as well. Going away for a long time from family is quite a big deal uh, for me anyway. Um, So just getting that... Uh, getting, getting Cody particularly and my son sort of ready for it was a big deal yeah. for me as well um, and just letting him sort of understand that there would be times when I wouldn't be around or even wouldn't be able to get hold of me which is unusual really normally I'm only ever a phone call away or at the end of the day you know picking up messages if I'm not around but this would be different there might be I, don't, I didn't know there might be a week when I was totally out of touch. So um, a bit of mental preparation as well back home was good to do.
1: That's really good, because I actually think that's the bit that people forget.
2: Yeah. It's like any other
1: bit that people do forget is if you are doing something different or something that has an impact on you, particularly, and it's your drive or it's your passion or your dream or whatever language you want to use about it, we actually sometimes disconnect from how it impacts other people. So that's a really powerful thing to do. Okay, so just in regards to uh, the journey, and um, so we've got the bikes, we've learned how to pack and condense everything. You've got an awesome team that you're going. Uh, how did it start, and then how did kind of the whole process start? Yeah, well, getting the flight play- oh, okay. Well,
0: I, I'd like to I'd like to fast forward a little bit. Okay. So, you know, when you landed, mm-hmm. and you, uh, you know that moment when you were there. Mm-hmm. So the flight over, etc. You know, I, I want. I'd like to know how you felt when you actually realized
1: oh
0: it was real <laughs> you were there this is, this is on you're now doing
2: it how did this, that feel this is on <laughs> yeah it was um it was brilliant actually we got we got uh, we arrived in Kathmandu airport which is uh, quite a small airport crazy busy um really disorganized in terms of you can't arrive with a visa you have to sort it out in the airport when you arrive uh, wow. massive queues uh, yeah, wow. Uh, massive queues and eventually we pop out onto the street with these huge boxes um, and we get collected by a jeep. To We had actually pre-booked a hotel which I know it's a bit soft but for, for Kathmandu for when we arrived we said let's pre-book one hotel which is, is going to be there for two nights to just let us land and yeah. sort our stuff out. Uh, so there was a jeep waiting for us and of course the trip starts straight away so we, we, first of all we have to get these boxes up onto the roof of the jeep and we're we're up there climbing on the roof we've got ropes you know this is outside an international airport <laughs> and you know we are we are already living the dream this is what we came for uh, it's already exciting you know just arriving uh, at, at the airport um and yeah straight into kathmandu Kathmandu's is a brilliant place and we wanted to go straight into some chaos and that's what we got and Ben who I went with had never been outside of Europe or the US Um, so this was different really different trip yeah I've
1: never experienced it I've never uh, and it's one trip that we definitely want to be able to do in our lifetime is going experience I think from a cultural perspective from a people perspective because people do that that word you just said is It's chaos, but it's organized chaos because people just seem to function in it. They, you know, that's their normal, isn't it? We all perceive what our normal is to be, but that's how they survive and live life, this constant movement of people. And masses of people, isn't it?
2: Yeah, Uh, and I I should rewind here, actually, because um, you mentioned chaos and it just works for them. One of the main uh, objectives, or needs that I had from the trip um, was to go somewhere where we didn't know what was going to happen every day. So I've been really lucky to ride my bike oh, in lots of places around the world. You know, literally most of the continents I think I've ridden on um, in lots of different situations. Uh, but pretty much whenever I've got on it, I've kind of known how the day was going to play out. Yeah. Whether it would be more or less tired, or would I quite you know would I do as well as I wanted to or not. Um, I kind of knew what, what to expect from that day when I was getting on the bike whereas what I really wanted from this trip was not to know what was going to happen. We really wanted to go somewhere that w- w- what we described was um, culturally challenging, yeah. so not dangerous because we've, got, we've both got families so we, we couldn't go to Afghanistan which is where my dream began. Um, and we discounted lots of places that actually look really cool, but we said, no, the security situation's not good, and we're just not going to do that to our families. But we wanted somewhere culturally challenging. Uh, and I mean that, and that's my own words, if you like, but I mean that in a really positive way. Yeah. It's just, it's something that gave us the unexpected, yeah. And, you know, that chaos in Kathmandu, uh, it, you know, by the end of the trip, that seemed pretty tame, actually, but it was a great place to start, and I would, uh, you know, Totally recommend anyone going to Kathmandu and just going there for a shopping trip if you don't want to go and do the mountains, it's it's an awesome place.
1: So, a lot of people talk about, particularly around uh, that area, is just that the the words that are used, or uh, like vibrancy and the smells and the what it evokes. There is a it is so different from how we live and view life,
0: From colour, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, everything there. know what it must be like it fascinates me that you know anyway i just think it's an awesome thing to have done an actual experience
0: so uh, talk talk us through then a a highlighted journey that that you you know that then unfolded right and
2: then how
1: many miles did you do in total across all it's
2: not about the miles it's not about the miles it was about a thousand miles, which sounds a lot i guess if you don't ride a bike it sounds a lot but if you're a keen cyclist 1,000 miles is is not a big thing over the course of four or five weeks. Um, But uh, we we did actually, over those 1,000 miles, we traveled from the capital of Kathmandu, which we had got a one-way flight to, um, with our only return flight booked to come back from Delhi. So big commitment there. And actually we we thought about it when we flew into Kathmandu because we had to land in Delhi to get to Kathmandu. Uh, So we did that short hop um, to the start of the journey. We thought, we're going to ride back here (laughs) (laughs) as we looked out of the airplane on the way to Kathmandu. So anyway, we started in the capital, which is kind of mid, maybe slightly to the east of the country. And we headed west on a journey that took us gradually over what they call the um, hill country of Nepal, which is the middle layer. And the pool is very much like a sandwich. It's very easy to uh, picture. If you've got your three decks of your sandwich, the lower deck is the south of the country, pan flat or very flat. Uh, The middle deck is the hill country. And then the top deck is the north of the country, Himalayan territory. And it is uh, all literally across that northern edge, incredibly high in mountains. But the hill country sounds like, I don't know, what you'd imagine rolling, Derbyshire to be or something like that it's not. The hill country is still uh, just as high as pretty much most of the higher passes in the Alps are in France so this is still big. So we worked our way through this hill country uh, heading west into the middle of the country with our objective to go up north into into the, the big mountains and when we arrived In Kathmandu, we had a vague plan for where we wanted to go. Um, And the reason we only had a vague plan was we, we discovered over months of trying to buy detailed maps and putting routes together that there was just no point because there was no information, really useful, useful information available on riding a bike across the whole of the country. There were little sections of you can do this on a bike or you can do that but nothing that really helped us piece together a big journey. So we just gave up. And when we got to Kathmandu, we had a vague idea of where we wanted to go. And we quickly got corrected uh, by an expert who had been living there for 20-odd years, guiding mountain bike trips. And she said, if you do what you're planning to do, or you think you're going to do, you'll die. Don't, just don't do that. (laughs) 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 Literally, don't do it. She said, "You you won't come back, and you'll 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 die out there. You, you haven't got a support team. You won't have supplies for two weeks to survive on. Um, there's nothing there. Do this instead. Uh, it will take you up really high into the mountains, and you'll probably get back as well. So that was the advice that we'd be using so, so as we headed or death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah." And so we headed off. We headed off with a paper uh, sketch map that she'd done over a coffee for us, um, with various like instructions to ask in this village, and they'll direct you for the next day's riding. Um, and this is all really different uh, to you know the sorts of trips we've done before. And um, we headed our way and threaded our way through the hill country, north into what became increasingly big mountains jaws dropping the big mountains and it's just so exciting to be pointing towards them knowing that you're going up into them and and that's what we did we uh, spent about two weeks two and a half weeks I think working our way up to what, what would be the highest point of the, uh, the trip where we went over a very famous pass called the uh, La pass at five and a half thousand meters Wow which is um, which is big, yeah, I mean Mount Everest is, the peak of Mount Everest is 8,800-ish, I think. Um, so to go on a bike at 5,500 meters is, is a big deal, it's a really big deal. I mean the highest you can ride a bike in, in the Alps in France is about 2,500 meters. Wow. And that's the highest I've ever been before. Yeah. Wow! Yeah, wow! Indeed, it was—it was, it was um, amazing. It was an amazing journey. We were—we felt like we were on this sort of pilgrimage to this high point, because it, once you join this trail that leads you up towards the pass, you spend a week uh, heading towards it, knowing that everyone else travelling with you or or on that pass—they're all doing the same thing. We're all making our way up to this mythical high point that. probably none of us have ever done before Um, and everyone's kind of asking each other what do you think it's gonna be like you know when you stop and chat and um, what do you expect of course everyone's blown away by the fact that we've got the bikes lots of questions about the bikes. I can imagine.
1: So so what kind of people were you meeting?
2: Um, We were meeting... um,
1: These are people working? um, what kind of people were you meeting so I, i'm presuming international people as well as locals and so what
2: yeah uh, lots of hikers international hikers um i think germany actually is the uh, the because you have to go through checkpoints at regular stages when you get into a certain high uh, elevation territory and um, are we asked him one of them what uh, nationalities do you get the most of and they actually log it in detail so they could tell us straight away Germans are the most uh, visiting nation in that part of the world um, but they, literally from all all over the world we met people lots of hikers um, and lots of support staff actually you, you literally see lots of Sherpas with so much weight um, tied around there they use a a rope around the top of their head and they carry the weight on their back and um, i I don't think there's actually any uh, law around the maximum weight that they can carry so you see some pretty just uncomfortable sights really of sherpas carrying unbelievable weights i mean easy 60 70 kilos probably more Um, and they'll do that in shoes that have Long since been, you know, should have been in a bin. Um, yeah, because it's it's a good way to make money for them actually. So that's a, a big part of it. And I think, and I, I really felt for the sherpas uh, because you can see that you know this is a great way to make money, but it's it's a really hard way to make money, yeah. really hard. Um, and it's interesting. It just makes we we felt very proud to be carrying all of our own kit, never needing support uh, and not needing to to put that kind of weight on, on a Sherpa's back. yeah. So yeah, lots lots of Sherpas, lots of people uh, running guest houses along that route, which made it very good for us. It meant that we could know that when we got to the end of the day, um, knowing if we aimed for a certain town or small village, then there we knew that there would be a guest house there. So we didn't need to use the tent that we were carrying, which was a bit of a bonus. Um, but yeah everyone that we met seemed to be quite interesting because these are all people that want to explore the world
1: yeah no i agree so that whole cultural chaos that you wanted you were seeing it but you're also seeing it not just from that culture but all the others that were kind of joining together
0: it, look, it looks like we're gonna to have to do a second podcast i think this, mm. this is such a fascinating story it's like a two-part top gear isn't it um <laughs> So
1: just in relation to that I know and this is and I'm sure everybody's asked you this but what so that I've got two questions actually what one thing will you know that you'll never delete from that trip at all and what one thing would you recommend somebody who has thought about this but has never done anything about it?
2: Well the second question is the easy one which is what one thing, uh, what would I say to someone who's thought about it? It, it, it? You have to do it, you know, you have to just start the momentum. And once you have momentum, it's incredible how it starts to become a reality. Um, so, yeah, I would say don't think uh, I did a great present. I, well, I did a presentation, which I think was really great. Uh, when I got back to my son's school, um, I had the whole of year five um, together. And I finished it by telling them, don't think that this is the stuff that other people do. Don't think that this when you get older, this is something that you know other people do. This is stuff that you do, that you can do. This is stuff that I did so you can do. So I would you know, it, it sounds cliche, but I would really encourage people to believe that that uh, yeah. this is not something that other people do. And then the thing that I would never delete from my memory. Yeah. I think it's got to be that moment when I stood up at five and a half thousand meters because it felt like, um, it literally did feel like we'd uh, spent not just two weeks climbing to that point, but a year uh, of planning. And we knew that this would be the high point and we were so lucky that day where there was not a breath of wind Um, it was cold but it was clear we had beautiful views Um, a few years before there'd been a massive blizzard on that very point and tens of people had died in a very famous um, uh, tragic uh, hiking disaster up there so we knew that we were lucky to have the weather and standing there in the clear skies at that point I just felt like this is a moment to remember, because you're probably never going to stand, let alone cycle yeah. at this elevation again. Yeah, it was magic.
0: So I think I think with your permission, could we invite you back, Ryan, to, to do the rest of this story? So from the top of that mountain pass onwards, um, and another podcast, uh, Debbie and Ryan, is that, is that good with you? I've more. Well yeah, I've decided, delighted, yeah. Because it's it's riveting and I think I think we should we should focus the next the next instalment on that ending of that talk you just talked about. Um and, and really make that the master theme. So Debbie, you've got some great notes here. So shall we recap back what Ryan's taught us today that is hidden away in your narrative?
1: Right, so this this is my summary, Ryan. So please do feel free to correct at any point. Um Let's yeah, I think there's a whole adage of we get to the point of as human beings to really explore and understand the world around us and we can get very stuck and blind to what we perceive normal and um, I and I genuinely do think travel and the experiences of other cultures is massive. So that to me is just do it. You know, we shouldn't, cre- we create our own obstacles and barriers. So just yeah, yeah,
0: you're going Nike, David.
1: I am just going a bit Nike. And then I just like the steps that you you defined. And I thought, I thought they were really clear because I saw them kind of in a business perspective as well. But it's, you have to have the right team. And that right team isn't just suddenly, there's a thought process that goes through that. There's a connection, there's an awareness, there's an understanding of other people around you. You have to have a really clear why, what and where Um, So that map and the plan, I love the thing about defining logistics but also circumstance and relevant to circumstance so and we don't do this very often yeah. and, and i'm talking about business and personal life is we don't literally go through that whole right what is it that i've got and what do i actually need and i think that's this consumerism that we get consumed with literally um is knowing that we can do it in less and we can just do it so there is that although of so the stuff that you were doing was slightly life and death a bit concerning. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I think the other thing for me was just uh, what you said when you kind of wanted to understand different other people's context of chaos and I, to me that's, I, that's really powerful for me because I think we we get stuck really easily and we need to understand other people better and we don't because we do it from our seat, We do it from behind a screen. We do it from listening to a podcast. That therefore means we've experienced it. You only truly experience when you do. I think those are my takeaways.
2: That's better. What do you think of that summary, Ryan? I think it's a great summary. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Um, I definitely would say yeah be very careful to um, with, with who, you, who you choose to do this stuff with because it's very difficult to unchoose someone once you've started the discussion with someone about something like this you, you shouldn't do that lightly I think because um, it's very difficult then to think oh, actually maybe you're not the right person for this um, so w- when you have that first conversation it should be off the back of a lot of personal contemplation I think uh, on your own first and um, and knowing what makes you happy as well as the other thing I would add um, it, there's no point in undertaking some big trip because you've seen someone else do it and think I should do that because it looks good think about the things that make you happy and and then you know do a trip that, that ticks those boxes um, and and that was really important that I knew I I like racing my bike for instance but I knew from this trip that I didn't want it to be an endurance uh, like a a pure endurance test of how far can we ride every day I wanted to make sure that both Ben and I were on the same page about this is a trip where we stop when we want to stop and we take in experiences we detour we um, we don't go anywhere actually for a day if we just like it there And it was really important that we both knew that that was what we wanted to get out of the trip and we were on the same page um yeah you've got the same objective
0: well that's awesome so uh, ryan thank you for being with us on part one today uh for our listeners on double dd business what a special edition of a podcast part one of, of ryan's adventure in nepal and as you listen to this back and even with debbie's recap there around some of the great insights taken from what we've talked about so far today Please do remember we are only up as far as the five and a half thousand meter moment. So loads to come. And if you've read some of Ryan's story online, you'll know there are some hiccups in the in this coming-up sequel that are really just mind-blowing on their own. So, anyway, Ryan, thanks for being with us. Uh, this, thanks ha- this has been Double DD Business. Thank you. Debbie. Debbie As per usual, isn't that, Kanita? You're always here with me on the podcast. Here. That's fantastic. I thought you were really good at interviewing today, Debbie, by the way, as well. E- excellent that uh, letting you draw out the, the cycling wisdom from ryan that wasn't cycling <laughs> uh, just just for the final record um, so thank you for being with us i've been dave evans signing out from double dd business every success with
2: your learning